We accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions, but what we found out is that each of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours. Is it like this club that gets together for breakfast or something? Like, I think that sounds right. You, you know what? Don't you forget about me. to season three episode 12 of the average joe's movie clubcast this is justin and i'm joey and he was absolutely right with that being the breakfast club and i guess we'll see where i'm going with that a little later tonight we're getting down and dirty with a movie that'll make your skin crawl with joey's pick from my cringe movie bucket list each of the killer from 2001 Plus, I find the complete watching all the Stanley Kubrick's feature films, um, not including those two documentaries he started off with. And that means I finally saw Killer's Kiss from, from 1955. So I know this wasn't what you were going for, but you were like, yo, when we were getting down and dirty, it definitely made it sound like we were going to watch a porno. <laughs> uh-huh. Close enough. Uh, no, I think that was a snuff film, not, not a porno. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, just as a heads up, guys, and if you didn't know this already from the like 50-ish episodes we've done, whatever, we're going to talk about these films in full. So if you don't <laughs> want to be spoiled, skip ahead or go watch the movies and come back. But you've been sufficiently warned. There you go. And if you want to join us on the Movie Clubcast, our audience is growing. We're up to 200 subs on YouTube. Woohoo! And we got some side podcasts going, getting some good guests in. So we're growing surely, but slowly, but surely. But we'd ask you to hit that subscribe button, the bell notification. We'd love to hear from you. So what am I up to? So yeah, I just uh, mentioned, yeah, spinoff podcasts are going. Um, Enjoyed listening to your uh, Thanksgiving episode on the way up to uh, Virginia for the... Thanksgiving weekend, we uh, went up to 
Bush Gardens for the uh, Christmas light show up there. Oh, you listen to that with your family? <laughs> well, on my headphones while I was driving. Oh. oh, okay. I was about to be like, well, I mean, I know you get a little away with a little bit with like your oldest kid, but I'm like, I'm like, we're dropping the f bomb like every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I also listen to Leprechaun, and you guys definitely like that. Uh, was it? Uh, Fuck Lucky. you, Lucky Charms. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you definitely. Uh, um, that's said that early and often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't think Rosa was going to go in like forty-five seconds in, but she did. Um, and that is the mm-hmm. benefit of literally walking from my living room to the bedroom and recording. Is it is, it was is fresh, and that was near the end of that movie. So mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, recently did a cast with. Um, Great guy named uh, Siegel, who's out of the uh, New York area. Uh, talked a little Robert Altman with him. It's amazing that we, we talked to uh, Paul from the West Coast and Siegel from up north. And we got um, Adam from the, the Midwest. And it's just talking to these people about movies. It's just like we're all part of the same little kinship. It's quite interesting. It is. It's, it's, it's interesting that we're all a part of the same kinship and can have so many things that overlap and then in other places be so verily different. Um, which I, I, I think makes for, um, like for a very good, like dichotomancy. And, um, like, I think you and I have a generally like a good juxtaposition in our opinions. Like we overlap obviously on like Tarantino and Kurosawa and some other things here and there, but like, whereas you're like, I would have sex with Stanley Kubrick. I'm like, the eh? <laughs> okay and, and, and also <laughs> I'm, your point <laughs> i'm very hyperbolic and you're nowhere near as hyperbolic so you know it just it works itself out i mean it would be very boring if you're like yes stanley kubrick is a god and i'm like mm, yes quiet he is a god mm, robert altman mm, god you're like mm, yes david lynch god mm, yes god and we just agreed all the way down I know what you mean. Um, there's this one podcast I listen to. Uh, I listen to, and they're always just like finishing each other's sentences, basically. It's like you can tell that they like talk all their points out. They're like, no, you're right, this. No, you're right, that. And like occasionally they'll like kind of argue on stuff, but I don't know. It just doesn't sound natural that way. So, oh my, the ups and downs of football season. Um, I guess I'll let you gloat at this point. Oh man, last Saturday, rival Saturday, it was 28 seconds away from being the most perfect Saturday ever. So like I got off work early. I, I get to Buffalo Wild Wings because I had a coupon or or else I wouldn't have went, but I had a coupon (laughs) and I walk in and Michigan is beating the dog shit out of Ohio state. And then they just kind of trade touchdowns for a little while. Like, it was great. And then Auburn, Alabama starts. Um, like, Minnesota and Wisconsin starts. There's just, some, like, some good games going on in the second game. And Auburn is up, like, 10 nothing, And then it's 10-3. And there's, like, two minutes left or something. And they pin Alabama at, like, their own two-yard line, no timeouts. And they let them fucking score. And then they go to overtime, and it finishes at 24-22 to 22 Alabama. It was so close. That would have taken Alabama just completely out, because I don't think they're going to beat Georgia next week. 
or I guess this coming week or this week now. And then there was the our rivalry game and uh yeah, it, it, it went a lot better for my team than it did for your team. They they did not play super swell. No, but yeah, Clemson definitely surging what they uh smacked Wake Forest the week before and um Carolina this week. So yeah, they're they're definitely hit their late season stride, so um, is what it yeah, is. Getting out of injuries and I think working through some offensive problems and struggles with DJ. Like DJ's a big strong kid, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Deshaun Watson. And like he's like they don't need to be running like like, like the RPOs with him. He's kind of slow. He's big, but I mean he also he he doesn't like follow through with his throws as a lot. Like, yeah, he's got a cannon, but he's not following through, putting that extra snap and stuff on it. And he just doesn't seem to make decisions as fast. Now, that being said, like, obviously, I'm not saying that I can do this. I never started for a, a tier one collegiate football program. Hell, I never even played high school football. But um, it was just one of those things, you know, watching it that it just uh, that you just kind of can see. Um, yeah. So just see what kind of bowl game we get to, and if we can win, we'll you know we'll have another ten win season. Um, I'm not one of those Clemson fans. Like, is it disappointing to have lost three games and not won the conference or even the division? Yes, but I mean, I still remember you know us barely being six and six, being seven and five. You know, you know where our season was playing the Gamecocks. Whereas you know typically now it's well we're playing the Gamecocks and we have a ACC title game and potentially the playoffs afterwards. So it's, yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, different. I saw a lot of people complaining and it's just, you know, enjoy it. We were, we've been really good for quite some time now. And, you know, our defense is still crazy good. We still have athletes. We'll still recruit really well. Then, you know, next year we'd probably be right back in the thick of it again. So. Yeah. I've never gotten the, um, like you win two championships and you're, you know, down on your team. I wish, one of my teams to get some championships. I mean, my high school football team won the state championship, but that's, you know, nowhere near like, you know, seeing Carolina do better or the Vikings win a Super Bowl or something. So, um, yeah, and then the Vikings, they kind of screwed themselves on Sunday. So that was disappointing to see two down games because they did beat their rival Packers the week before. But and downs uh, of football season. And then we missed, we weren't able to record, but um, they they played Dallas a few weeks ago, correct? Yeah, on Sunday Night Football on um, Halloween. Yep. And they, they, they won that, right? No, they lost on the last uh, drive, uh, Cowboys. Oh. No, I, yeah. should, I thought they won, that's why I brought it up. I was like, <laughs> my bad. Huh? Well, the, at least the Cowboys lost on Thanksgiving into the Raiders in like overtime. That was pretty. That was a pretty wild game as well. It's funny. My um, my in laws could care less about NFL, but then all of a sudden they turned the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and they're like yelling at the screen and stuff. I'm just like, where did this come from? Tradition, brother. Tradition. I suppose so. That's um, why they don't take the Lions off of. That's why they don't take the Lions off the of TV. Yeah, it's tradition, and people will watch it. Yep. Tis the season. Yep, we are entering the holiday season. I watched my first holiday movie of the year, uh, Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Not a bad show whenever you're just kind of half watching it, not poking holes. But uh, yeah, I got to be starting to put put on my uh, Clark Griswold hat soon and 
start hanging lights and I'm just not ready for that, but it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen. Hashtag suck it. I'm not doing anything. Anything new with you? Um, well, let's see. Uh, we talked about football and we talked about the spinoff podcast. So thanks killing episode did just drop not that long ago. Well, on Thanksgiving day. So, a little while ago now, if you haven't checked that out, it's only about 15 minutes. It's pretty hilarious, if I do say so myself. Um, be looking forward to, uh, in about 13 days, on the 14th of December, you're going to see the Cyborg episode for that coming, which is uh, me getting to d- Justin to dip his toes into a little bit of schlock, starting him off with the <laughs> schlock light, uh, talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme. So I figured, you know, we'd work to that. Um a pinched nerve in my neck, back, shoulder, somewhere mm. in that. Yeah, nope, sucks really bad. Um, so I've actually got some other episodes already recorded and, you know, just to have. And I don't know when they're going to come out, but they're not edited. They could it'd take me five, ten minutes to edit them. But uh, actually sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now and, like, typing on the computer actually kind of aggravates it. So mm. I haven't been doing that near as much. Um I went through like a lot of new movies in November. We were trying to do new movie November and we, I ended up, I think at 27 or 28 and I didn't quite get to 30 new movies in November, but I did uh, pretty well with that. Um, Yeah. I can't really think of anything else too much. Just, you know, working, trying to survive, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's an interesting way to kind of distinguish our personalities. Like, you're more than happy to schedule an episode to come out in like a week or whatever. And, man, as soon as mine's ready to go, I hit send. It doesn't matter if it's noon, 9 o'clock, or 3 in the morning for me. Yeah, well, with with mine, I'm just trying to kind of keep it on a schedule, like, every two two weeks. Or, you know, like I did, like, Thanksgiving kind of was like a week and a half. But then I just went back to... If I had released it on that Sunday, then the 14th would be two Sundays. And then the end of December is going to get a little wonky because I want to have one come out on Christmas and one come out either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And that's going to kind of throw that off. But I don't have anything really planned past new, past January. But I just got really excited when I started doing this. I had talked about it for a while. And I talked about it. I hit that point where I was like, I've talked about it. I'm either going to do it or I'm not. So I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. And then... I've had a really good time just getting getting my friends to come over and watch movies. Some of them who I haven't watched movies with in years. Some of them, you know, I watch with movies all the time. It just, it just is a lot of fun. So, and that's what we're here to do. We're having, you know, we're having fun. You and I have fun, and that's a that's a different side of my movie personality that I wanted to be able to talk about more. And it's like yeah. I said, it's just a lot of fun. Cool. All right. So you got a new segment for us. Mm, yes, we're going to do some movie trivia. Um, so mine actually has nothing to do with our stuff tonight. I was thinking about doing that, and then I was like, nope, I've already got these. Um, this just actually came about from a random conversation I was having with Carl. So you're going to see the the theme of mine pretty quickly. Um, you want to okay. go, like, me go all of mine, and then you go all of yours, or you want to alternate, or... I guess we can alternate. I didn't know what to do for mine. Um, I ended up just kind of going through a popular movie trivia website and clicking, finding ones that you may, you may not know. But um, 
maybe you'll have a puncher's chance. I had at first went on to like the trivia for old boy and was looking through all that. And I'm like, there's a lot of interesting stuff on here, but I don't know if he knows it. <laughs> so I'd rather give you a puncher's chance. So, all right, go all ahead. Right. And, uh... and, and I feel like, like this is something that you could know, but it's just really, uh, you probably don't, but you could know. I don't think it's crazy hard <laughs> or anything. All right. So name the only two actors to complete the Lord of the Rings, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Star Wars trifecta. Two actors that were in all of those? Yes, who are each, both of them were in the Lord of the Rings, Marvel uh-huh. Cinematic Universe, or the Lord of the Rings Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Star Wars. Marvel, too, huh? Yep, there is only two. Was one of them a little person? Uh, one of them plays a kind of short person, but I won't say he, he himself is a little person. Okay. Uh, in all of those? Yep. I can I can give you kind of a hint. Um, okay. Do you remember the, the, the joke in Black Panther that the two white guys were the Tolkien white guys? I do not. Oh, okay. Well, it's one of those two guys. Huh. So whenever you say Star Wars, you mean like... The original trilogy or like the new one? This particular uh, person, one of them was in the uh, s- the sequel trilogy and one of them was in the prequel trilogy. Uh, I'm blanking now. What? <laughs> All right. So you have Andy Serkis. Um, he's uh, the voice of Gollum. Okay. He's the oh, voice of Snoke. And he's, in, and he's in Black Panther and he's, he's Snoke. Um, Snoke and Gollum. Okay. Yep. And there's another and the, one, huh? Yeah, his name is Richard Armitage. So um, he was an extra, an extra pilot in episode one. He was a Nazi in the first Captain America movie. And <laughs> then he played a guy named Thorin Oakenshield, um, kind of a big character in The Hobbit movies oh okay oh so yeah. not actually lord of the rings i mean it's the lord of the rings universe <laughs> okay uh yeah those were hard i should probably should have gotten uh, Andy circus though all right um so joaquin phoenix received his first oscar nomination for what movie hmm gladiator that's right uh, best supporting, best supporting actor, correct? I think that's right because mm-hmm. I think Russell Crowe won um... for best actor. Mm-hmm. All right, he didn't actually win until Joker. Ah, yes, it was just kind of surprising, but that's how they do. All right, so keeping in this trilogy theme, there is only one person who was in Star Trek, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the DC Cinematic Universe. Chris Pine. That is a good guess. That is not correct. Okay, you said DC, Trek, Mo- and Marvel. Huh. Chris Pine is not one of the Marvel. Is it Cumberbatch? No. But you're <laughs> close. Um, Idris Elba. Mm. 
He's in Marvel. Who's he in DC? He's in um, Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. A new one. And I don't yeah. remember. He's uh, he's one of the bad guys in Trek. I don't yeah, remember. He, yeah, he's in that shitty uh, Star Trek uh, Beyond movie. Okay, then. Wow. I, I suck. All right. Uh, J-Law won her uh, Best Actress Academy Award for what role? Winner's Bone. I think she was nominated. Did not win for that. Ah. Second guess? Silver Linings. Yep, she won for Silver Linings. That's whenever she went up to the stage and she like tripped on the stairs on her way up to do the um, get her uh, award and say her spiel. Mm. Ah, good old J-Law. All, All right. right. That's, that's the last one. The, la- yeah, that's the last one I'm going to get wrong. <laughs> All right. What two actors have been in Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, and the MCU? So instead of Star Wars, it's Star Trek. Um, you said one of their names a minute ago, by the way. So it's Cumberbatch is in this? Yes, Benedict Cumberbatch is one of them, as he is Doctor Strange and Schmaug, and then also... Oh, yeah, I forgot Khan. about Schmaug. Yeah, he plays yeah. Khan. Yeah, and, and he's uh, Khan, yeah. In, in the Darkness. Okay, and another one, huh? Yes. Um, Trek, MCU, and you said... Lord Tolkien, of the Rings. The Tolkienverse? Yeah, and this is actual Lord of the Rings. Like, I know the other ones have been The <laughs> Hobbit. This is actual Lord of the Rings. Uh, who is in the... Is it, is it Sean Beam? Nope. It's, it's... He's not one of the... He's a good character in Lord of the Rings. He's not one of the biggest ones, but um, he's a pretty well-known name. He's not like Richard not like that. Okay, yeah, that, that rogue... Rogue One pilot, um, or uh, Rogue Squadron. Um, man, you're killing me. Give me. Do you have any more hints for me? Uh, the only one I know to give you, I think, gives it away. But maybe you won't put two and two together. It's um, Judge Dread. Oh, so, okay. So that uh, what is his name? Um, it's not Colin, is it? It it's similar. Yeah, I know you're talking in... about. He he played. He's in Thor Ragnarok, and he yeah he plays. Yes, he um, is in Bones Th- in Trek. And what is? is oh he, yeah, he plays. No, you... fa- he plays uh, Faramir in um in LOTR. So uh, what's his name? It's Aemir. He plays Aemir, not Faramir. Unless I have, unless I wrote it down wrong, I could have. I've had these written down for a while. I might have written it down wrong, but yes, it's Carl Urban. Carl Urban, yeah, okay, yeah. I is yeah. As soon as you said, um, Judge Dredd. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 yeah. That clued me <laughs> in. Yeah, uh. I just thought those were fun. Like they are a little tricky. I'll give you that, but I just thought it was fun. Um, how it came about was we started talking about how you have um, like Chris, uh, not Christopher Walken, Jesus, Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. um, and he's in Marvel 
or no, I'm sorry, he's in Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And then it was like, oh, well, who's been in all of them? And we, we started naming off a bunch that were in two. And then, yeah, we ended up on a website and had like a whole fucking like Venn diagram. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, as much as I'd like to think I would be good at playing Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon, not as not as good as that as I probably should be. It's probably well i mean i wasn't really into actors names until just a few years ago when i started writing all right your final one which might stump you but we actually have a uh, connection on this one so um what is the highest grossing foreign language film at the u.s box office the highest foreign language film at the u.s box office yep boy that could be anything. It could even be a boat. Um, it could be a boat. <laughs> what, you, what, like the Titanic? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, no. But, uh, damn it, Peter Griffin, you son of a bitch. Um, and it's one that we have a connection on. Yep. So, very solid connection on. Because we saw it together when it was in the theater. The Passion of the Christ? That is it. That is not at all where I was trying to go. I was sitting there like, Ran? Seven Samurai? Um, <laughs> old Boy? Uh, like, But I guess that movie is foreign language. It's a foreign language film, not a foreign film. Yeah, see? Yeah, a little tricky there. Uh, well, Aramaic. Yeah, indeed. When I first read that, I thought I thought it said The Last Temptation of Christ. I was like, that's in English. Oh, Passion of the Christ. Yeah, duh. All right, let's see what else we've been watching lately. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, I have some... Bittersweet songs, swan song I go with. Uh, ugly, real ugly. And he actually made it better. I'm going to go with the tried and true classic. The good, <laughs> the bad, <laughs> and the ugly. All right, what's your good? Ah, oh, yes. Mm. That would be Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. So I'm not going to tell crazy into this movie right here one because i know justin hasn't seen it but two because i went into this movie 100 completely blind the only thing that i knew was that it was directed by edgar wright and that it had anya taylor joy in it that was it that's all i knew so but edgar wright brings his style um if you like the movies where music is a his movies where music is a big deal so scott pilgrim baby driver um, music is a big deal in this. I don't think it's near as big as in those two movies, but it is still a, an important thing. And you've got a very good actress in Anya Taylor-Joy and another one in Thomason. Why did I forget her last name? It's Thomason something. She's the main character in Jojo Rabbit as well, or the main female character in Jojo Rabbit. Um, so just you have good actors, good director, it's fantastic. You should watch it. It's uh, it's on like I think all probably Prime or something. I don't remember where we watched it, but it's it's you can rent it. 
Oh, it's streaming now. Yes, it is streaming now. Oh, I had no idea. Um, I thought it was still in the theater. I'll have to. I'll probably be seeing it sooner than I thought. Very cool. Thanks for that tidbit. Yes. All right. Where am All I right. going? Go give me the bittersweet swan song. All right. So I watched No Time to Die, the last Daniel Craig, um, James oh, Bond. Be still my heart. I can't wait to watch that. Gosh. Um, you know, I was a fan of Casino Royale. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, Pierce Brosnan was the original Bond I watched, so I was really attached to him, although those movies were a little corny. Um, I remember Quantum of Solace being confusing as fuck and not really even understanding what happened. Uh, Skyfall, I remember being pretty good. I don't even remember anything about Spectre. So no time to die. Um, so they try to kind of do the traditional kind of Bond plot here where there's like, you know, they're trying to unleash this like toxin on the world and there's this kind of a meek villain type guy who's on this like island base so you have these like traditional bond elements but it's still kind of grounded in this more realistic daniel craig setting and i just didn't think it schwad like oh it was so long and i mean the action scenes were fine it just it just felt so tropey that i mean I, it's probably supposed to be because it's like homaging this stuff but i mean how many it's almost like how many times are we going to homage ourselves with these things? Um, I, I don't know. I found it underwhelming. Um, and the main Bond girl, like, I think this this one was actually uh, directed by a, a female director, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, the, the, the main Bond girl, uh, I wasn't that into. She's more of, like, looks like it's going to be his, his partner type deal. Um, um, are we talking about Arma de Arnis? No, the um, no, it's it's the blonde girl. I wish Armada Arnis was in it more. She's she's a lot of fun when she's in it, but there's this um this other actress who plays like the main love interest. In oh well, I don't know. I don't even know who it is. But hey, fuck that girl. It should have been about Armada Arnis. That's uh-huh. what I thought. That's what I told I was getting. And that's not what I'm getting. Some bullshit. No, All she's right. she's like in like ten minutes of the movie. Oh, that is some straight up bullshit. All right, what's your bad? Oh, my bad. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. You're going to disagree with me. You're not going to like this at all because we talked about this on the Halloween special. Um, and that is the new Venom movie. Uh. Yeah, boy. that You want to talk about something that is super disappointing. Jesus Christ. That movie was so disappointing. The first one surprised me. Um, I thought it was way better than I suspected um, or expected rather and you know had great dry humor and all of this and then this is just an hour and a half of Venom and Eddie wanting to fuck each other and then adding uh, Woody Harrelson to the mix which should be a lot better but it's not and then Homegirl from Pirates to be the Scream Queen which could have been a cool thing. But they did it really poorly, and then they tried to make Woody Harrelson, who's a psychopathic murderer, and Carnage, who's a psychopathic murderer, be sympathetic with this backstory and the love interest, and it just... Blah. No thank you. It was... Yes. No thank you. 
And I guess, you know what? I will take back and retract what I said about this movie not being a horror movie because, goddamn, that was horrific. <laughs> uh, well. All right. What I disagree. Is... <laughs> oh, I'm aware. And if you, for some reason, want to know what we're talking about, go listen to the Halloween special where me and Justin talk about this movie the first time before I had seen it. Okay. Oh yeah, I guess I. Well, we we argued about Halloween Kills, not a uh, Carnage. In that oh, oh no, I I led into you about it, you including it as a horror movie. Oh right, right, right. But you yeah. talk about the movie some and how much you like it and all that jazz. So. Okay. <clears throat> all right. How did he actually make it better? Dun, dun, dun. So I was hyped to hear that there was a new Rocky Four cut coming out, and I saw that guy whenever ever hit Amazon streaming, and yeah, it's actually better. Um, it's amazing how much footage they cut out of the opening of this movie. It gives Apollo a much more in-depth like reason to be wanting to fight Drago. Um, yeah, it's just overall just kind of cut just a little better. and But it still has all the nice cheese at the end with all the crazy montages. Um, so, yeah, it somehow, you know, tops what it was done, what was, what was there before. And I had a blast. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I think I started at 1 in the morning. You know, I'm, I'm done at like 3 or something. And I'm just like, damn, that was good. I was glued the whole time. Check out Rocky versus Drago. Rocky 4 Recut. I must break you. Mm-hmm. If he dies, he dies. All right. So <laughs> all the I have. Ugly? The ugly. Mm. So this was a movie that could have potentially been on my spinoff podcast, but in fact, it is just not good enough. Um, and which is funny since it's a movie, a podcast about bad movies. This is called The Forgotten Tales. So it was. This horror movie, and it's like three horror movies, like three kind of short horror movies put together. Uh, they're, they're all separate, but they interlap in the same universe, some of the same characters. Like they'll have one scene cut from another one, and you see it in, from a different angle in the next one. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is where our timelines are interact, um, like crossing over. And that was about the only cool part. Um, we watched it because um, a wrestler by the name of Shotzi Blackheart is in it and um she is a current wwe wrestler used to be a suicide girl um and we thought she was going to be in the movie for more than about five seconds she was in the movie for about five seconds uh naked in a tub got murdered and that was it and we were a little disappointed but the movie itself was just bad um i don't even recommend watching it to see Shotzi naked just look that up online if that's what you're there for um but yeah no not it's not even memorable. Like, it's just bad. It's ugly. Don't watch it. All right, Justin, what is your real ugly? Ugly. Real ugly. Oh, goodness. So I watched the newest Home Sweet Home Alone, and this thing is a pile of dog shit. Um, I thought the made-for-TV versions that um, my kids dug up and made me watch for what's parts four or five and six i think 
Oh, I'm, I've lost track of these things at this point. But um, yeah, this happens to be worse. Um, higher production value, but much lower quality writing. I, I almost think that they were trying to troll us with this thing. Um, the kid, Max, he's a little British kid and he's a total prick. Nothing likable about this kid whatsoever. There's actually a reference to Scarface in this, so um, Joey is definitely not going to like it. Um, the two main, like, so the the Harry and Marv stand-ins are this couple who, like, so the kid has to pee, so they stop at an open house. And the kid walks in, does his business, and then starts trash-talking the homeowner, call, saying he looks like Frankenstein. And, and so then the homeowner thinks he stole this doll, and they find out this doll is, like, worth thousands of dollars, and they're, like, you know about to have to sell their, they're trying to sell their house in order to like um get by or whatever like downsize kind of deal because uh yeah the, the the husband lost his job so yeah real sympathetic characters and then we see them getting you know marched right into uh the whole the traditional home alone house with a kid that is actually shooting pool balls out of a gun pool balls yeah terrifying um actually bro, that would that would fuck someone up damn yeah for sure. Um, Buzz from the original makes a cameo appearance as a cop, which is also underwhelming. This movie's just... And the worst part about it, spoiler alert, it's all a miscommunication problem. I fucking hate that trope. Hate it. So I've heard, I've heard nothing good about this movie. Like... Because there's nothing good about it. <laughs> Yeah, like, kids will like, enjoy it because kids will probably tune out the 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 bullshit and just kind of chuckle at the um, you know the Home Alone stuff. But gosh, I mean, with that stick being with said, the original too. It's even it's the been third years, one's not that bad. The third one had like a real young Scarjo, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that one, but uh, like, is one and two are they actually good? Or are they just good because we watched them as kids and we have the memories of them being like. The greatest thing since sliced bread, especially the first one. Um, I would apply that band that that to the second one because the second one is so so similar to the first one, just with just reskinned with New York. Um, it has its charm, but you can definitely poke your holes poke holes in it. Whereas the first one is an undisputed classic. Well, you know, according to the muse in Dogma. Someone had to sell their soul to the devil to get that the sales on that piece of shit up. Um, so I don't think Kevin Smith liked that movie. Um, the original? Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. the, Muse, the Muse was responsible for 19 of the 20, 20 highest grossing films at that point. And then she's like, well, one where the kid and they break in and ah, she's like, someone had to sell their, de- their soul to the devil to get the sales on that piece of shit up. So thanks, Selma Hayek. I have that ingrained in my head forever. And also Kevin Smith. Mm. All right, let's move into our uh, fun family film of the evening. Um, all right. So each of the killer, a sadomasochistic yakuza enforcer uh kakahira searches for his missing boss as he comes across ichi a a repressed and psychotic killer who may be able to inflict levels of pain that kakahira has only dreamed of achieving 
So Ichi the Killer is from uh, 2001, Japanese action horror. Yeah, I guess that's about right. Action torture porn, something like that. Uh, by Takashi Miike. And is based on a Hido Yamamoto's ma. Hmm? Yeah, Hideo Yamamoto. Manga series of the same name. The film has garnered controversy due to its graphic depictions of violence and cruelty. It has been banned in several countries. So I'm not sure how this got recommended for my cringe list. And I was, I was a little worried that, you know, you'd pick a movie on my cringe list and it would end up falling off. But no, this is this is here to stay. And man, it's crazy and nasty. And I'm curious why you picked it since... Um, I guess we'll find out your thoughts on it, but, um, were you expecting to like it better this time or what? Well, okay. So I was 100% at first I was going to pick like, um, I think it was martyrs. Yeah. It was going to be, that's the French harm. I was going to pick that one. Uh And then I saw, I saw the devil on there and I was like, Oh, if Justin hasn't seen, I saw the devil. We're fucking watching that. That movie is fantastic. We fucking go. And then I saw that you had seen it, but you hadn't seen Ichi. And Ichi was the first movie that I like. I got in where I was introduced to like the the Japanese splatter movies, like t- uh, TGP and Big Tits Dragon and Machine Girl and you know stuff like that. Um, so I figured it'd be good to get a second Japanese splatter movie in here since we I somehow got Tokyo Gore Police in season one. Um, well, there was the, the the challenge, so you could you could throw whatever you wanted in there. And That's you true, and I did. You I, sent uh, it to me in the mail. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't know how. I don't. I think it couldn't be like it wasn't easy to be found, and yeah, they whoever whoever was running that shop must have thought I was like obsessed with that movie because I bought like three copies because I bought <laughs> one for me, one for you, and one for Carl, like all at one time. Because <laughs> you know, why did me and Carl both need it living in the same house? But we have so many duplicates; it's kind of silly. Um, but yeah, no. And I, I um, actually, honestly, it wasn't even that long ago. It came through on my Facebook memories where I was like, just finished watching Ichi the Killer. Carl, what the fuck? Um, which is before we lived together, and we, um, you know, we were friends, but we weren't nowhere near the level of friends we are now. And you know, we had okay. just kind of started, you know, watching some different movies and stuff. But yeah, no, that was uh, definitely a mind fuck back then. For sure. Okay. So, were you expecting to maybe be have some redemption, or were you knew that was going to be um, still torturous, but you just wanted to put me through it this time? I wasn't necessarily so much... Okay, to be fair, you gave me the cringe list. Anything we picked would have been torturous. Right. I mean, I guess... But I you already knew you didn't like this, so that, that's the only reason well, I ask. Well, no, no, I... I remembered it being weird and like uh-huh. crazy, but it had been seven, eight, nine years. I don't know, something like that. So I didn't remember okay. really much about it. Like I'm gonna be real. I thought Ichi was the, the 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 scarred up dude on the front. The only thing I remembered was he had the scars and he could open up his mouth real weird. Um, and that's that's really about it. Okay, um, okay. that makes more sense. All right. Um. Yeah, let's jump jump into the notes here. Uh, did did the version you have have the little disclaimer saying like what the restoration was all about? Yes, because I watched it on Shutter. Okay. Yeah, it, like how it was sixteen millimeter, and then they upgraded it to HD or whatever, and then they did a four K restoration. So, um, yeah, I thought 
it being shot all the way down in 16 millimeter was kind of strange, but I guess with how grungy this movie is, I guess he just de definitely wanted to have that sleazier look. Yeah, I saw that. I just, I guess I didn't pay it any attention because I remember seeing um, that, you know, there was some sort of something to do with the restoration, but I didn't really pay that much attention. Okay. Um, man, I almost thought like something was wrong with the, the ver my, when I was streaming it. Cause like those first couple minutes with like how it's like going fast and slow and doing all kinds of crazy shit, but the editing, like I was like, is this how it's supposed to be? And yeah, yes, it can kind of normalize itself. It reminded me a little bit of chunking with its, um, it's fast motion, just a little bit more nauseating and less artful. I'm going to say, yeah, and this movie wishes it was half as good as Chunking Express. Oh, we're introduced to a violent rape scene right off the bat, which was like, oh, yeah, this is cringe. Um, which a lot of people question me about what I consider cringe because people like think of that as like embarrassingly bad. But when I think of cringe, it's like that moment where like you're sitting in your seat and you just kind of squirm down in there because, man, whatever you're seeing is just, oh, just gets under your skin and you don't want to watch and it just so that's, I mean, like, um, that, that's cringe to me yeah and, and rape is always cringe but like I've seen I mean the joke that Carl and I make is like it's a Japanese movie there's going to be at least one rape because it, it just always seems to be the case or if it's not a rape it's an attempted rape so um, a lot of people argue that um, Irreversible should be on my cringe movie bucket list and the reason it's not is because although the rape is like kind of devastating in that movie, like the movie comes together to where you don't know who she is when that happens. And then you, you, you find out about her afterwards. So it kind of like messes with you where it, you don't really know anything about her. You just have to instantly sympathize with her in that moment, which I mean you do, but at the same time it, that's a complicated topic. You've seen Irreversible, right? I have. That is a pretty, pretty brutal movie. Um, but I mean, like, if like if we included every movie with a rape, like, it would be there'd be a ton. Like, I think it's was it Last House on the Left where they actually rape a child. I mean, she's a teenager, but she's a child. She is underage. Like, that's pretty fucking cringy. And I mean, I, I don't see anybody ever mention that in a cringe because they just consider it a normal horror movie. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, we had some dude outside the window who's whacking off to this act, and then we see the semen as the main titles appear. Jelly, um, crazy gore, not so great CGI throughout. Um, I guess we find out. I mean, that it, this is, apartment... it is it is it is twenty years old to be fair, but I don't think it was great even then. <laughs> Um, we find out this is the apartment of the the Cusa boss, which is, I guess, the um, Anyo, on on Anho, Anyo, something like that. Well, I was gonna say like he's the um, I forgot the term. The uh, you know the thing they're chasing in the movie that you really don't know much about. Um, A MacGuffin. Yeah, he's like the MacGuffin of the movie. Oh man. That makes me kind of wish I had talked about a different movie in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I wish I would have talked about Red Notice. Oh, well. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was shocked that uh, 
Kakahara was um, not actually Ichi since he's like all over the cover and you see Ichi the killer and you're like, oh yeah, that's Ichi. No, that's Kakahara. Ichi's a little bitch. A little weird bitch. Hmm? Oh yeah, it's it's Kamehameha. Kamehameha is not Ichi. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he has his uh, wicked uh, Joker scar thing with the the piercings on either side. Yeah, real bizarre stuff there. Um, I just want to see like a backstory to him to see how he did get all those scars. But with, with how much he likes cutting himself, I suppose it's not surprising. Um, found it a little strange that I guess some of the prostitutes are... Uh, I'm just... seemed like pretty much every woman in this movie was a prostitute, unfortunately. Um, they like would randomly speak English. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you're a prostitute and I guess you're in Tokyo, you know, you got American or English tourists coming through wanting to get some uh, Japanese strange. So it oh, makes sense that they're... I mean, she was like, talking to a Japanese guy, but then like all of a sudden she's like, and I killed his cat. And I was like, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I, my understanding is that in Japan especially, but a lot of those other foreign countries, they teach them English as a second language. Now, why they would, like, switch between them back and forth, eh, I don't really know, but I'm also not bilingual, so I don't really know how well that would work, so. All right, so I've since pieced together that this, like, old weird guy in the movie is, like, a cop, and so he, like, manipulates Ichi into, like, going and killing, like, Yakuza and prostitutes, essentially. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and yeah, he's uh, Ichi's this wimpy guy who just kind of goes crazy and has this like razor thing on his foot that he just does these crazy kicks and cuts motherfuckers up, um, like in half with just like one, with just one twelve to six kick, just cuts him in half. Oh, probably the most excruciating scene is um, Kakahare. Uh, they think this one guy killed the boss or like know something about it. And so they have him hung up from a ceiling with like at least like 30 hooks. So like his skin's all stretched. And if that wasn't bad enough, he decides to start pouring boiling oil all over him. And oh, yeah, that. And, and stabbing him with the little pins through his mouth. And he right. says he's going to do it to his dick, but I guess they they stop. But yeah, he's he's poured the... The oil that he was frying shrimp in. Tempura. Yeah, tempura. Um, and so, yeah, he ends up finding out that he was messing with the wrong guy. And so Ichi, like, no, not Ichi, uh, Kakahara um, offers a sacrifice and he <laughs> he cuts off the front of his tongue. But then afterwards, he, like, walks away and just, like, the body regenerates. Can your tongue grow back? Um, I mean, it is the fastest healing muscle in the body, but I am pretty sure if you cut the tip of it off, it ain't growing back. Oof. Um, Oof. So, but, you know, there definitely was some, he, he, he had some mysticism to him or something, because, I mean, there's where he, because it wasn't just Joker scars so much as they were still open, because mm. there's the thing where he would blow the smoke out of them, and then he, like, yeah. Some dude went to punch him, and he just opened his mouth and just caught the dude's hand in his mouth, and yeah, so yeah, reptile from Mortal Kombat or something. He wishes, but yes. Uh, you got the the weird guy in the TV who um 
yeah, they ended up torturing and they ended up stabbing him to death in the face. In the face. Um, did you notice? Did you this movie drag it all for you? Like, yes. E- either yes. this movie was like yes. batshit crazy or like barely anything was happening. Yes, no, this movie drug and drug and drug and drug and drug. Okay. And it felt much longer than two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, I nodded off a surprisingly amount through this. And there was there's moments where something crazy would happen and I went back up. It's like, how do we get to this point? And yeah, it was it was a struggle to kind of get through this, unfortunately. But I, I think I got it all. <laughs> um, more rape. Ichi cuts the guy in two with all that laughable CGI. Um, and then there's this whole thing about like someone's experiencing like high school rape flashbacks. I guess this is Ichi, which has something to do with his sexual repression or something I, there's there's a whole lot of story in here that you don't really care about because it's really kind of fucked up yes um uh, already mentioned his foot razor um yep he uh that one uh i guess prostitute goes after him i think he says something threatening to her and then yeah slices her neck and we get a some old school um japanese samurai blood spray action going on uh kakahara did look pretty fly leading his uh gang down the street at that in that one scene uh, which leads into some extreme face pulling and then that other person comes in and decides to pull the other side of the face Ooh, skin it's very uh tactile in this movie um awesome shot of kakahara in that uh, massacred apartment um i believe that's the letterbox banner that comes up yeah that sounds about right that i think i think you're right um, random great camera work and Dutch angles and fisheye lens. Yeah, there's style all over this thing, even though it was shot on a lower quality of film and is just grungy. Um, let's see, that one uh, gangster, he ends up, I, get, I think he finds Itchy getting like beat up or something, and so he goes and like treats him to like lunch, and they're slurping on some noodles, so that reminded me of um, Tampopo. Because that, that movie's all about Japanese, like, um, food culture. So, yeah, a lot of slurping when it comes to that ramen. Can't blame them. It's good stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, here's that scene that you talked about a little while ago with Kakahare. Um, like, the guy punched him in the face and, like, his mouth opens all weird. And he, like, rips his, like, skin off. I'm almost thinking, like, there's, like, what real fantastical realism or something that there was like parts of this movie that like didn't seem like seemed a little out there like almost like it was maybe just happening in his mind oh excuse me that is possible um but man that's the cgi on his mouth opening even just made it look even weirder because there was like extra teeth and shit like i I don't know man it was uncanny valley yeah all right, so the guy not being very appreciative, oh, Itchy not being very appreciated about getting head from these ladies decides to cut them up afterwards. Um, because, they, because they wanted him to do it. They, they didn't want him to do it so much that they wanted him to do it. Yeah, that, it was, I think it was, that's why it, I was hearing explained. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fucking weird, man. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, hilariously bad, um, muscle CGI. Oh yeah. The old cop 
like he decides to take off his clothes and like you can tell that like his head's been CGI'd onto a bodybuilder and I actually missed that scene the first time like after I was done just like to make sure I cut everything I watched one of these like little recap videos and like I was like oh I don't even remember this <laughs> CGI'd head on a bodybuilder and so yeah I looked back and sure enough there there it was in all its awkward glory yeah that was he took his shirt off and I'm like wait a minute what <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Um, we do get somewhat of a likable character with that one gangster and his son, and like his son like expects like the inevitability of his father being killed and like he'd be alright. But um yeah, pretty uh agonizing to actually see the father get his neck sliced right in front of the kid. Yep. Uh yeah, so then we get this kind of weird ending where Kakahare like we see Ichi like stab him in the forehead and then he like falls back and like falls down and is like is all like has all this adrenaline pumping through him, like excited that he's about to die. But then he lands and then the old guy checks him out and finds that there's no wound on his head. So apparently he fantasized this like crazy cool like death from Ichi, which didn't really happen. And then we see him like in this um kind of bathhouse looking thing. And his mouth flops open, so I don't know if that's really what was going on with him, or if he really did die. We don't really know. It's ambiguous. Not that I really care that much. Um, and then, yeah, the very end of this movie is weird as fuck, as we get like a flash forward and see a bunch of school kids, and we pan up to see that the gang or the um, old cop dude has hung himself, and then we see this random guy, who um, on a closer look is the the son. From what I was talking about a few seconds ago. And yeah. Kind of random. Um, I guess ambiguous in kind of a forced way. So what would you think of this movie Joey? I gave it a whole two stars. Um, I was actually very disappointed. Because I kind of expected to enjoy it more this time around. Because it wasn't going to be so shocking and like out there. Because I've seen so much more... <laughs> more stuff and you know nothing is really shocking anymore after sallow so um but it was just very disappointing well yes and i'm i'm not going to because me and l <laughs> i i don't want to watch any more lvt movies i just don't oh you gotta watch melancholia that has your girl um what's her name is that the one with kirsten dunst in it yeah Kirsten does this my girl. She's just Mary Jane. <laughs> um, like I mentioned before, yeah, kind of got lost in the story, but I don't think that matters because it's all about the shock value. I think it does what it does with lots of style well, but is also repulsive at the same time. So I respect that it a lot of effort went into this, but it's also very, very um, repulsive, cringy. Three and a half for me. Mm, boy. For it's, it's great in its own fucked up little way. All right. After the break, we get some uh, Kubrick, which Joey's not a fan of, but we also get Noir, which he is a fan of. Coming up. Dun, dun, dun.
All right, let's do this. Now we're on to Stanley Kubrick's Killer's Kiss from 1955. The plot synopsis for... Uh, courtesy of the IMDb, uh, ready to catch a train to his hometown, a washed-up boxer tells us about the strange and twisty events that happened to him in the past couple of days. This is a film noir directed by Mr. Kubrick. This was his second feature film after Fear and Desire. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I found that I'm not the biggest fan of, um... Kubrick's earlier work, Fear and Desire, is it's not as bad as people say, but it's not great. Not really that into the killing. And then um, I think he really picks up steam um, when he gets to uh, Dr. Strangelove. So I was in no hurry to see this, but I'm glad I finally checked it out. Um, any opening thoughts? Um, yeah, I have not seen Fear and Desire. Um, I, uh, I think with how much I've liked his earlier stuff, I might would be interested in checking that out. Cause I mean, I really did like the killing. That is my favorite Kubrick movie. Um, and, and I'm going to be even so brazen as to say, I think it's his best movie, but you haven't seen Pass of glory though, right? No, I have not. Uh, Carl okay. has, and that has been his number one movie this whole year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, like nothing's. Nothing's topped it, but I have not seen that, but I imagine it is good. But, like, Barry Lyndon, no desire to see that. We could could care less. Oh, whatever. It's, oh, it's good. It's real good. It looks like a movie that's, it's, if, first of all, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 800 hours long. And then it looks like the kind of movie that if it was still two hours long would put me to sleep. But it's a good version of The Duelist. Hmm... That's debatable, because you use the words "good" in reference to a Stanley Kubrick movie. You were just talking about your favorite movie of his, and now you're trashing him again. So, yes, on with the yes. review. Um, so yeah, this is very, very typical noir, with its you know moody black and white photography. Protagonist has internal monologue. The music has you know that. Noir feel. This is dripping noir. This is your prototypical of the genre, which I kind of like. I kind of like whenever we just get something straightforward in this this genre of noir, and not something that's trying to, you know, push the boundaries of the genre. When you're just kind of getting used to the genre itself. I think the only thing it's really missing is it doesn't have like, um, like a hardened dick, like a like a detective or like a hard nosed mm-hmm. cop. Like, it's kind of missing that, because um, it's more of a dude kind of up against, like, a mini mob kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was still, uh, I mean, yeah, it's still just kind of dripping noir. Uh, great visuals, storytelling, especially in that opening scene of him in his apartment or whatever. We see all these visual cues of his life. Uh, very Hitchcockian, I would say. Um, man, I love that uh, shot of the fishbowl. Which, uh, when I watched it again, because, like, I watched the first, like, five minutes, and I was like, oh, I'll just I'll watch this tomorrow. Um, it kind of reminded me of Rumblefish a little bit. So. I could see that. I could see that. I didn't make that connection, but I could see that. Uh, let's see here. Just never knew when they were going to uh, 
throw rear projection in back in those days. Oh yeah, so this is the scene where um, like somebody at like a, a boxing um, gym is on the phone and like you can clearly tell it's rear projection with the gym behind him. But then there's like another scene where like you can tell he's in the gym, but then there's a slight cut and then they go back to rear projection. So apparently they weren't very good at filming like him being in the boxing gym and talking on the phone at the same time. There was, I guess, some kind of issue there where they had to separate it. Addy K. Um, so we, we get to the fight and there's a pretty good build up to the fight where it's, it's like bouncing back and forth between the girl and this like slick back hair. Um, I wouldn't call him a mafioso. I guess he's kind of a mafioso. He's just kind of a crime boss, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think they ever you know specifically said he was in the mafia, but he was definitely like I said, it was some sort of mob style organization, even if it was just like a lower level one. Yeah, for sure. Because then later in the movie, he has those two thugs kill that guy. So yeah, definitely that kind of thing going on. Um, but yeah, interesting to see him getting ready for the fight, and we get a very detached fight um kind of like shooting there's a lot of great camera angles but it's all from like outside the ring so a lot of time like the ropes and stuff are kind of in the way so it's an interesting way of shooting it a little different it kind of had that raging bull feel since um it was black and white and gosh i love the expressions on the our protagonist's face when he gets knocked down like he is like eyes are like bulging he's like oh what's going on um I really enjoyed that phrase. They didn't they say he had like a glass chin and his glass chin's about to break and something like that and just Which kind was, of saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they they said he had a glass chin, but apparently like his record was like 88-9 and 2 or something before that fight. It's like Oh wow. I didn't even yeah, pay attention to that part. Yeah, I mean, maybe I've misheard it, but I was definitely was like they're talking about he's coming to the end of his career. He's like in his late 20s. He had 100 fights. I'm like, god damn. I mean, but I think, uh, and then I missed this. It was like Carl told me they said something about how he could never win the big fight. So he had a bunch of those those wins, but I guess they were against nobodies. And every time he was about to get a title shot or something, he would, you know, shit the bed. Okay. He goes to bed for the night, and we kind of get this cool camera negative um, dream sequence, like running down the street, which um, is kind of different from a movie from back then. I don't think I've seen that before. Um from an older movie yeah he wakes up and he hears the girl because the girl that we're talking about the the uh female protagonist um she lives in like the apartment right across from him so he peeks in on her a little bit um so we got a little bit of that going on yeah she screams she's with the uh slick back hair guy and is trying to get away from him and so yeah that catches his attention <laughs> i cracked up whenever like um the slick back hair guy like tried to close the blinds but then it like flew back up on him or something um anyways he gets chased away and um our boxer talks to the girl sees what's um what's up and we get this little flashback of like an hour ago this is how it started and so we see a little bit of like what was happening between the two but at the same time it never really does say like why she's so mad at him yeah i don't think it ever does and it even teases the fact that it never does at one point. It's like, and I didn't know why he was mad at her or he was, she was mad at him or something in the internal monologue. 
Um, great, again, great use of mood and shadows throughout this thing. Really, it's really shot well for it being Kubrick's um, second. I don't remember the killing being this dynamic visually. Am I wrong? I, I mean, I don't remember because it's been a minute, but I just remember thinking the movie was good. Like, I think the, thought the movie was better than this. But, I mean, the shots may not have been quite as good. But, I I mean, I remember it, that being a good movie. I mean, it had Hayden, Hayden Sterling, Sterling Hayden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, right. I mean, and, you know, when you need that hard dude to play a role, that's that's your guy. Um, especially in that time period. Uh, did you notice the weird little doll she had tied to her bed frame? Uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody punch Joey. <laughs> Get him up. Oh. Uh, well, normally I would I would have, you know, fought this with some caffeine, but I would like to go to bed when we finish this, so I didn't mm. do that. Um, then we get this whole backstory about... Her sister being this ballerina and her father being sickly and the ballerina's sister marries some guy that she doesn't love. And it goes on and on about this story while holding on the ballet shot. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think maybe Kubrick was compensating for kind of this being a real, real simple story by really jazzing it up with visuals, which I kind of dug. Um, <laughs> those hazy transitions because... Uh, um, Work pretty good because he is recalling all this from the train station. Uh, definitely takes place in New York. We get those cool shots of um, so Rockefeller Center or whatever. Um, yeah, and and Times Square, right? Like old Times Square. Something like Square. that. Yeah. Um, I got a kick out of that watch your step thing on the the staircase they keep showing. Uh, I was like, sure, at one point somebody was going to trip down that thing, but. Uh, that never came to pass. Um, yeah, that pretty cool scene when the goons go kill. It was the boxer's manager that gets murdered, right? Yeah, he was supposed to meet him so he could give him pay, pay him out his check so he didn't have to wait till the next day. And girl was going to get the money from the gangster and they were going to run away to Seattle. Right. Be with some of his family. Um, anyways, cool scene whenever they're in the, the real shadowy uh, alley killing him. Um... So now at this point, he's on the run. Pretty cool shot of him, like, peering in from her place into his place as, like, the cops come rolling in looking for him. Um, he ends up finding the slick-haired fat guy, uh, holds him up. They go up to their hideout, and um, that's where the girl's at. And eventually, like, the, his goons um, get the best of him, and he jumps out of a window. That was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, not the way I would have left that place, but, uh, yeah, he, that, that was a full story he fell down. So yeah, he must've been hurting from that. I got kind of a kick out of, cause they all board the elevator, but it's like real open elevator and like it starts going down, but then they're like, Hey, you go check on this. And like, he, he crawls off the elevator, like right as it's like going down to where it'd be like dangerous to do so. So I got a kick out of that. Um, yeah. So this same scene, though, is also where um, the protagonist gets a drop on him, has a gun, and then they overtake him. He has all of the guns. He has not just his gun, he has all the goons' guns. And then the dude, you know, throws a deck of cards in his face and distracts yeah. him enough. And it's like, boy. And then you hear homegirl talk about how she only wants to be with slick-haired dude. 
you know, he's in love. She's in love with him. You know, obviously she's just trying to save herself. Uh-huh. And then that's when home dude jumps out and has the home internal monologue of, well, I wonder why she, I wonder she knows why I ran away, but had, what'd she think with me listening to her say she only wanted to be with him? It's like, yep. dude, she was just trying to live guy. So, um, pretty cool climatic chase here. Um, we get all these cool shots of like the different like ladders going up the sides of these buildings that he's like he climbs up and like he like swings it around so they can't follow him and then we got some pretty cool uh, like rooftop shots um and then we get to what i guess is apparently the famous um mannequin scene and this is all i really knew about this movie and unfortunately i found this part a little underwhelming i mean it's fine i mean they fight with axes or whatever it's a pretty typical fight, and you know he wins. But um, oh, yeah, I thought everything. A, it was an axe in like a fireplace poker, right? Oh, okay. I but, don't recall. But but, but like, I remember uh, he he runs up to that door the first time and it's locked, and I'm like, that's a fucking axe on the wall. Why didn't he just grab that axe? And then the bad guy comes and we're like, that's definitely an axe. And then he pulls it down and we're like, oh yeah, why is mm-hmm. this guy stupid? He's just. But anywho. Yeah. Did you like the mannequin scene? I mean, you, did you know anything about this coming in? Nope. All I knew was that it was on the disc with the killer or the killing. Mm-hmm. The killer is a much different movie. Um, maybe we'll talk yeah. about that on here one day. That'd be pretty dope. But um, no. But I mean, that's kind of it. Is kind of creepy because there's just all these like kind of parts of mannequins. And I also kind of thought I was like, this is the '50s, and like they're showing naked mannequins. Like even some of them had nipples. And it's like, it seems like maybe he was trying to take a stab at him or something, like not the, like at the, the MPAA or whatever the hell it was, or okay. just, and maybe I'm just looking too much into that. I don't, I don't know if that was kind of like his thing to do, but I just remember thinking that it seemed out of place for, to be a movie from the fifties. It's definitely a unique set piece, but didn't, um, I didn't find it striking as most of the rest of the film. It was kind of cool. There was like. Like a, like a workshop table that had like mannequin parts like hanging down. That was kind of cool looking. All right. And so, yeah, he wins the fight. Um, the monologue lets us know that, you know, he's all in the clear. He pretty much feels that she stood him up. It's going to be kind of a sad ending. But no, she shows up and they smooch and it's a happy ending. So that's Killer's Kiss. Um, I really kind of wish I had a wish it had a better title. Killer's Kiss is very generic. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of generic by the day standards, but like at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. I expected something different with that kind of title, but you know, it is what it is. Like, it's fine. So, um, simple, but way better than I expected. Um, I guess I'd shoot out a three, three and a half for this one as well. I gave it a three. Um, I mean, I thought it was you know definitely better than average and you could see, you know, some of the camera work and stuff that was going to come from, from Kubrick. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to pick a Billy Wilder film, huh? Yes. Mm, bueno, bueno. Now, most of his most popular stuff I've already seen. And the first movie I saw from him won his first Academy Award for Best Picture called The Lost Weekend. And that's about alcoholism, and it's a little weird and depressing. So I didn't think we'd have that much fun with that one. So instead, I went with the 
seven-year itch. Okay, that's with him in Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. Their other movie together. That yeah. went in Some Like It Hot. I do love Some Like It Hot, but kind of wanted to go with something I hadn't seen yet. Cool. I mean, I had only seen one movie by him, and uh, so mm-hmm. which I, I own um, Some Like It Hot, so at some point I'll watch it, but... All right, did I'm you, cool with that. Did you have any? Did you have any guess of what I might have gone with? I had no idea with what you were going to pick because I knew you had seen some, and I knew you would probably try to go with something you hadn't. But mm. I knew you also probably wouldn't go with like one of his super unknown movies or something. So, mm. um, I thought about revisiting the apartment because a lot of people love that, and I was a little underwhelmed. But maybe another day. All right, what's your? Uh, Wheel of Destiny pointing us now. It is pointing us to number 22. Mm-hmm. And because I'm bad at this, I don't have my list pulled up. Give me like two seconds. Because <laughs> it's the top list. Um, all right. Uh, that is... Make sure that... Yep. So this is, uh, I think, the only Woody Allen movie that I've seen. And I saw it a long time ago and thought it was really good. So oh. um, I wanted to revisit it. Um, it also has ScarJo in it, and that's going to be 2005's Match Point. Oh, that's an old favorite. I've seen this several times, but all back several years ago. So that'll be fun to revisit. I saw that in the theater in Sweden. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. I I watched this and I was like kind of blown away because it was like it was weird, but at the same time I was like, man, this is really good. And this was also again before I was watching, you know more artsy stuff i guess um and so i totally watched it because i had scarlett johansson in it cool excited to see that one again um my movie category for you is i have another list called the 80s movies i have never seen before so um i recently updated this thing so it should be up on my profile page so there's a handful of 80s fun on there you can choose from Okay, I'm interested in checking that out. Let's see how many movies are on there. Do 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 do. Boop 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 boop. Hmm. 80s, I, huh? I saw the Jonas Brothers comedy special recently. Oh, uh, how how'd that work out for you? It was funny. I don't know anything about the Jonas Brothers, so I guess it was kind of educational. I got you. Oh, I see. We got Christmas movies as our favorite films. Got the best okay. Christmas movie at your at in your in your two slot. All right. So, um, forty two movies on this list. Everything from The Fog and Little Shop of Horrors to Masters of the Universe and Gods May Be Crazy, um, Heavy Metal. Creep Show, Porky's, Children of the Corn, Bachelor Party, Crocodile Dundee, lots and lots to choose from, and I hadn't seen I, any of this. Oh, I've seen four. So, all right, cool, cool, interesting. Yeah, I will definitely think take some time to think about this and then uh, go from there. Cool, cool. All right. And if you'd like us to answer any questions on the show, please send us an email and we'll be glad to talk to you, which I haven't checked the email lately, so we might have some poor schmoes waiting for us to talk. Um, Cool news. um, 
our buddy Max um, said that they were interested in being on. Um, I've always wanted to watch this, so standing by to hear back from Max um, to plan that. Yeah, I got a couple, um, I guess you could say, hooks out in the water on episodes for that. Um, so yeah, hopefully get some new fun guests for that. That would be pretty awesome. Max is a, he's always responded very well on our letterboxd and that kind of stuff. So that would be good. Um, but yeah, no, if you uh, want to email us, it's the average shows movie clubcast at gmail.com. You can talk about the main cast here. I was all, I've always wanted to watch that, uh, schlock talk, you know, Give us some ideas, suggestions, make some comments. Did we completely get something wrong? Did we miss the boat? Just, you know, let us know. Give us, yeah, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. All right, with that being said, Justin, why do we do this show? Because we love talking about movies. And Joey loves his schlock too. That I do. Hashtag all in. Night. Yeah, I think this just might be my nice.